Amen. Amen. It's okay. Are we good? Oh, wow, that is loud. Okay. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> it's so funny because this is my home. Like, <laughs> this is my home. Um, hi, everybody. For a lot of people who probably maybe haven't seen my face around, I'm Ola. As Ife said, I am his brother in more ways than one. Um, I grew up here. Grew up, maybe? I don't know. I was here a couple summers. Um, but I'm Ola. I have the pleasure of um, speaking to you guys today. I want to, first of all, honor um, the leadership in the church, the young adult leadership. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for the great work you guys are doing. I watched your relationship seminar last week. It's really good. Um, I also bring greetings from, from Chirac. <laughs> and I bring greetings from my pastor as well, Pastor Wale, Pastor Foluke, um, at RCCG Shambok Community Church. Um, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Honestly, it's going to be fun, guys. I'm, I'm honestly excited. Um, I was talking to my brother uh, just a few, few days ago, and he was telling me what the theme of the month was. And I think he said it was when the theme is, where are you? And it was funny because by then I already kind of knew what I was going to speak on. And I was just, I was just kind of amazed, um, I think, by God's providence in terms of sort of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, but I want to I wanna set the tone for this message. So how many of us here set goals at the beginning of the year? Any show of hands, New Year's resolutions, things we want to do different? Not a lot of people. Great. You probably should. <laughs> Um, how many of us set fitness-related goals? Fitness-related? Don't be shy. It's okay. Me too, I did. Okay, fitness-related goals. Great. Okay. All right. Um, so, when I, was, when I was prepping for this, I was thinking, you know, especially with fitness-related goals, what we do when we write these goals, we're typically envisioning a better version of ourselves. Maybe, you know, more toned, as some people say, or lean, or less love handles, you know. <laughs> You know, but we envision a better, a better self-image, how we want to be perceived, right? Um, and honestly, my assignment here today is very simple. You're either going to leave with two things. You're either going to leave falling in love with the gym, or you're going to leave falling more in love with God. Or both. Or both. My hope is both. Um, but I say that because for me, um, I know a lot of people, for maybe a lot of people who haven't seen me around here, a lot of people who have seen me before will know my story. I will know um, sort of where I was before to where I am now. And um, I've been working out for about five years right now. Um, and what's so funny is that I've seen a lot of parallels between the gym and faith. It's, it's like the metaphors are crazy. Like, it's, 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 it's honestly crazy. But I've seen a lot of parallels between our faith journey and as well as our exercise journey, fitness journey. And today, I just want to share a story. I share my story. Um, there's, there's, we'll wait for someone to screen real quick. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, so that's me. Yeah, um, I think I think I still look cute. Um, <laughs> but uh, five years ago, I was actually uh, I was 260 pounds. A lot of people won't believe that. Um, it's always been a bigger kid in my life, always, you know, just been the big guy. Um, used to wear 2XL shirts with a vest inside so that my, 
won't show. Um, <laughs> you know, but extremely unhealthy. Very, very unhealthy. Um, my eating habits were honestly just coping mechanisms. Um, I knew, I knew, I see that picture, and I knew back then I didn't like the way I looked. Um, there was a, there's an episode of my podcast that I recorded, and I was, I was saying how at that point in my life, I would go into my bathroom, and I just didn't like the way that I looked so much that I would close my eyes so I cannot see my mirror before going to the toilet. And then when I would see myself or catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror, I would start to honestly slap myself because I was just like, how did we get here? Right? And so in my mind back then, I knew that I knew that I needed to do something. I knew something needed to change. I already, I, I, in my mind, I knew that I needed to change my diet. I knew I needed to change exercise because every time I went into my mom's room, the first thing she would tell me is give me 10 push-ups. So I knew that like there was something I was supposed to do to change the way that I looked. Um... But I was never really ready to engage at that time with something that had the potential to change my life. Um, and I, I sort of like tell all this story um, to just sort of set the tone for what we're going to be talking about today. You see, John Bevere in his book, The Awe of God, um, it's a great read. If you haven't read it, I would recommend it strongly. Um, he talks about a lack of the fear of God leads to an unintentional life. Right? The lack of the fear of God leads to an unintentional life. And as I can put it colloquially in Gen Z terms, if you don't rate God enough, your life is going to be made. <laughs> if you don't rate God, <laughs> if you don't rate God, you're going to live in mid, in mid for our people who don't know, mid means mediocre. So if you don't rate God enough, you're going to live in midlife, right? And sometimes I wonder how many of us are living average lives because we don't we don't engage with God the way that we should. We don't understand the life-transforming power that lies behind our faith. How many of us are settling for average, settling for mediocre, settling for just the norm? Because we don't understand the life transformation that lies behind our faith in God. And that's what, I, that's what I've come to speak on today. Again, like I said, you can either live here loving the gym, going to work out, feeling so inspired, or you can love God even more. My, jo my job here is to make you rate God so much more. And so, to set the tone, and I want to also introduce the title of my sermon, Where's Your Participation? Where's Your Participation? And to start, we're going to look, because uh, obviously my church, we have to read the Bible. Um, we're going to read the book of Hebrews first. Um, Hebrews 11. And because I was thinking, when I was like preparing for this, I was thinking about, okay, what Bible story can I, you know, present to make people connect to this point? Like somebody in the Bible who like really engaged, really believed so much and like changed their lives. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit kind of led me to looking at Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 is popular because this is the hall of faith, as it seems. All the people who, you know, exercise faith and you kind of see the ways that God showed up in their lives. Um, but we're going to focus on one particular guy. One particular guy by the name of Noah. How many of us know the story of Noah? We all went to Sunday school. We all know Noah. Yes. Okay. Um, Noah's story is crazy to me. Noah's story is it's absolutely crazy to me. Um, I was doing it. Like, I currently do a Bible study with one of my friends. Also, I have my friends here in the house. Um, I, do, I was doing a Bible study with my friend, Ife. And we were, um, we were reading the story of Noah. And... 
as we were just like talking and just like meditating, like it was it was just crazy. Like Noah's life is crazy. Um, so at the time when God gave Noah the instruction to build the ark, right? At this time, the Bible tells us, and what we know from the Bible is that vegetation was being watered from underground, right? So if that is said, that means that there was no sort of precipitation in the sky. And scientifically, I can actually like confirm this to you because if the sign of the covenant was a rainbow, for our science students here, how do rainbows come about? It's refraction of light through rain droplets. So at the, at the time of Noah, there was no rain. But this guy was building an ark. Imagine, and it was, see, the Bible says that Noah lived in such a depraved culture. Like, that's why God was so incensed. He was so angry that he wanted to wipe everybody out. But Noah was living in such a depraved culture. So imagine, like, as he's spending, and I was reading something yesterday. I think it says about 55 to 75 years is what it took Noah to build that ark. Imagine for 55 to 75 years, no single drop of rain are falling from the sky. People are walking by, and Noah is there, like, hammering building this ark, saying, nah, guys, trust me, there's, something's going to fall from the sky. Imagine how, like, the kind of dilulu that someone has to have to do, like, like, I don't know, it's crazy to me, right? Like, no single sign of, of, of rain, but yet this guy, God had given him a word. God had given him, he had told him something. And the Bible talks about Noah was faithful to the T. He followed the instructions to the T. And then we read down the story of Noah. The flood came. The Bible talks about in Genesis 7 verse 11. It says the 600 year of Noah's life, the 17th day of the second month, the springs of the great deep burst forth. So all the, you know, we said the water was being, um, the vegetation was being watered from underground. It burst forth. And then the floodgates of heaven were opened. Rain finally fell on the 600 year of Noah's life. Right? And when the rain came, because of Noah's because of Noah's um, obedience, because of Noah's choice to engage, to believe God, to engage his faith, participate, Noah brought salvation to his family. We see that his children and their wives, all of them were saved. All of them managed to get on the boat, and the rest of the world were gone. The rest of the world was taken. And I think about, and I think about how many of us, and I, I, I don't know, I maybe think about this practically. That for you as an individual, the fortune of your family can be transformed by your, by your obedience and your choice to engage with God. You can bring salvation to your family, not in the sense of, you know, bringing them to a saving knowledge of Christ, but you can bring them to a new place of fortune. You can transform your family's life. You can transform the life of your friends and your community just by engaging, by participating, like Noah did. Right? And this is what we're made to do. Right? Um... I think when we, the term Christian is, 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 we use it so lightly, but I don't think we necessarily understand what it means to be a Christian. So, how many of us know that Christ is not Jesus' last name? Well, I'm here to tell you that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is actually the title. It's a Greek transliteration of um, the anointed one, the Messiah, right? So, when you translate into Greek, it's, uh, the transliteration is, uh, is Christ, Right? And what Christ is, is like I said, the anointed one. So when Christians take on the title of Christian, in the Greek, that is actually translated as Christianus, which means the anointed ones. Right? And we all know that Christ is the prototype. Christ is the example. And so if Christ is the anointed one, 
we are the anointed ones meant to spread forth his message, meant to bring transformation. You know, the Bible talks about in John 1 how, you know, everything was made through Christ. Everything that is was made through him. The light of the world, that is who Christ is. If we are, if we are anointed ones, if we are his representatives, we are supposed to bring light, life, and hope to this world. That is God's plan for you as an individual. That is God, that's what God wants you to do. But then God is asking you the question, where is your participation? Are you willing to engage? Like, do you rate me enough that, like, I tell you to believe? You know, the Bible talks about in John 6, right? Um, Jesus was saying, he says, this is the only work. Pay attention to this because this is important. This, Jesus said, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one whom he sent. Oh, God, literally the only thing God asks for you, for you, from you, is your belief. And if that is the only thing the God of the universe is requiring, to me, I think about it and I'm like, there's so, that means there's, there's something in our belief. There's something in our faith. There's something with like so immense potential, immeasurable potential be, behind our belief and behind our faith. Praise the Lord. We're following, right? We're tracking. We're tracking. All right, good. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And, and Honestly, when I was preparing for this, like, I didn't, I didn't just want to come here and, like, you know, be presenting all these lofty, you know, terms and, you know, be telling you Greek and all that stuff. I'm not come here to flex. Um, I came here to leave you with something practical, something that you can take from here and apply it to your life. And something that will make you want to engage with God more. Again, like I said, my mission here is that you rate God more. You just think a little bit more highly of him and what he has in store for you and what he wants to do through you, right? So we're going to talk about practical steps, practical steps. And I want to go back to, I want to go back to, I guess, the verse before our, the, 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 the verse that's the theme of today. So James 4, 8. But I want to go to the verse before. So James 4, verse 7. If we can have that. James 4, verse 7. James 4, verse 7. Okay. So it says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let's stop at humble yourselves before God. Right? Because the truth is that, like, if, if there's any of us here who feel like we're not where we are supposed to be, if there's any of us here who feel like we haven't really engaged the way that we should be, if our lives, we're not experiencing this transformation that God has for us. Again, all he said is believe. All he said is believe. But why would the God of the universe tell you to believe and expect you to be left with nothing? Right? So if we feel like we're not there, I like this verse because the first step, like, (laughs) the first step to acknowledge that, the first step to change is to acknowledge that something is amiss. You know, when in engineering, when they teach us how to solve problems, um, the first thing they always say is, what is your problem statement? Identify the problem. And then, like, find the solution is way easier. Right? And so in this verse, it says, humble yourselves before God. Honestly, it's saying, God, yeah, something's not right, man. I'm like, my life is feeling a bit mid. Honestly. Like, when I was at the point, like, where I was, like, 260 pounds overweight, I was like, I was like, yeah, something's wrong. Like, something's wrong. Like, I shouldn't be feeling like this all the time. I shouldn't be. It's the same thing with our faith. 
And the Bible, to, and, and the thing is that there's a promise attached to humbling ourselves before God. The Bible talks, he says, God gives grace to the humble. Grace being some, some, some kind of divine aid. So the first step, as Prophet Kendrick said, sit down. Be humble. Amen. <laughs> okay. And then moving on. Okay, we've acknowledged there's a problem. God, you know, oh man, you know, my life doesn't have grace. See, I'm trying to sound cool. <laughs> my life isn't where I want it to be, right? So how do we how do we walk through? How do we how do we engage? How do we participate? What does that look like? And I was having a conversation a few months ago when I was still in Ottawa with a friend of mine. Her name is Sharon. And she sort of presented to me this whole, um, this idea of there's three stages of behavior change. There's three stages of behavior change, right? And the first of which is intentionality. Intentionality, right? I feel like this part is easy. I'm not easy because it's like dependent on us. I think God has already done half the work for us. The Bible talks about in Philippians 2, it says that God is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. The desire is in you. It's already there. And then in James 4, 5, it talks about God is passionate about the spirits that he has placed in you, that it be faithful to him. Your spirit is already attached to heaven. God is, God is trying to pull your spirit towards heaven. But then again, with the desire, it says he has given you the, the will and the desire. What do you have to do with a will? You have to act. You have to engage. You have to participate. So God has done half the work for us. Half the work for us. Right? Like, I knew, like, at the stage where I made the decision that I wanted to lose weight, like, I knew that the one thing that I was lacking was, like, any sort of intentionality. Like, I would have to have, like, for example, my mom paid for my gym membership because she just really wanted me to, like, change. And then, like, for, I was like, okay, I felt bad. Oh, okay, yeah, she spent this amount of money. I went to the gym in the morning after, before school. This was my first year of university. And then I'll go at night, right after, right after class. I did that for, like, a week. My mom called me the next Monday. She was like, are you going to the gym? I was like, oh, nah, man. Yeah, bump that. I'm not. She called me at the end of the week. She's like, okay, how are your sessions? I was like, ah, yeah, mom. I didn't go like that. So she said, where's my money? <laughs> I said, nah, it's okay, mom. Don't worry. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. But again, like with intentional, like when it comes to like applying intentional, you don't need someone to cajole you. Right? You don't need someone to cajole you. Right? But it, and, and going back to the fact that if God has placed, if our spirits are attached to God's spirit, and if he has placed in us desire to do, what does participating look like practically? In a way that, in a way that actually works. Because I think a lot of us know what's good for us, but we just don't know how to get there. We don't know what works. Right? So what does that look like practically? And then that, that's when we consider the next stage of changing our behavior is consistency consistency right how do we build habits to foster our intimacy with God how do we build habits to exercise our faith to work to build our faith to build that muscle strengthen that muscle of faith again I talk about the parallels between the gym 
guys, work out, and your, honestly, your spiritual life will change. Like I told someone, I said, I said the gym is a spiritual thing for me, and they were laughing. Honestly, the kind of demons you'll be fighting in the gym, you don't even know. I'm telling you, right? But how do we build habits to foster our intimacy with God, right? And I think what I notice a lot of the time is that when we notice that there's something wrong in our life, a lot of us want to jump to the extreme. I know I'm guilty of doing that. I jump to the extreme part of finding a solution. You know, it's like, like I said, I found like, when I was, uh, like, back at the beginning of my journey, I was like, I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. I'm going to go after class. After a week, I was burnt out. Because it's like, bruh, who does? Bruh, not even the most fit person in this world goes to the gym in the morning and in the evening for, five, like, seven days a week. That's not sustainable. Same thing with our faith. A lot of us notice that something is wrong, and we just want to jump to the extreme end just to solve the problem. We want to solve the problem so quick. So we do all that we can. We jump to the extreme. We say, okay, okay, this morning I'm going to make sure that, you know, like I do my devotional for one hour. And then after that, I will like read my Bible for another hour. You know, you're already running late for work. It's like, no, I said I'm going to read my Bible for one hour. And then when I get back home, I'm going to pray in tongues for another hour. When the, like, when the day before, like that's when you were like, okay, God, I'm going to make a decision. And then you think you can sustain that for like, nah, bro. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't. So as we're stepping in and we're trying to build consistency, we have to think about what is sustainable. What is sustainable for us? And some practical things here. I'm going to follow a Bible plan for a month, for a week. I'm going to learn a different passage of scripture for a week. I'm going to do a Bible study with a friend of mine for a week. Something that's sustainable. That you can do over time. And you can sustain over time. Because a lot of the time when we throw all these things, especially all these like spiritual practices as solutions to, you know, where we feel are miss, it's so easy for things to just get lost as religious exercise. You lose the heart behind things. And that's not God's desire. That's not his desire. God wants you to be connected to the things that you're doing. And now this is the part, right? Like, so let's, 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 let's present this case. Let's say, okay, I heard what Allah is saying. I'm going to do like a Bible plan for a month. Every day you're reading your Bible, you're going through a devotional plan. You know, you're feeling good. You're feeling like you're growing. You're feeling like, you know, you're learning more about God, learning more about his character, feeling more connected to him. Right? This is not just something that you're just doing now. This is when we get to the next part of behavior change. And this, is, this part is kind of like a multiplier. This is where we start talking about intensity. Intensity. Right? You imagine it almost like, um, I don't know, let's say you just start, let's say somebody here was so inspired and decided to go to the gym tomorrow. Right? And then, I don't know. Tomorrow you lift, I don't know, you'd go on the bench press and you lift 45 pounds. And then the next year, you're like, yeah, that felt good. Let's throw another 45. I mean, I've seen that, honestly. I've seen people in the gym. It's crazy, right? It doesn't work like that. You need sustained effort over time to build that muscle, right? And when it comes to the point of intensity, that's actually, that, that, I feel like in my own experience of faith, that is when 
you start to get promptings. You start to get leadings of the Holy Spirit. And it's almost because, because you've had that consistent habit of reading your word, renewing your mind, getting yourself in touch with God's thoughts. Right? Imagine God as your personal trainer, right? And God is like, all right, let's add 10 pounds here. Let's see how you do with that. God is going to start leading you to do things. And sometimes that looks like, maybe make a phone call to your friend there. Send that person a message. Oh, your coworker asked you how your weekend was. Tell them about church. Right? Practical things. And the truth is that with these things, these are opportunities where God is calling us to obedience. God is calling us to engage even more on a deeper level. Like God is testing, like, it's like through, through building that consistent habit, God is now, okay, let's put some weight on that. Let's see how much, you've been renewing your mind. You, you know more about me. How much are you willing to like step on that? And that's the thing is that if our choice to obey, obedience is God's love language. That's God's love language. Ah, oh, man. God is so diligent. Even like if it's the fact where it's like, okay, like you didn't see any fruit like right after, God is still like, they rated me there. Like it might not yield fruit immediately, but God is like, they, they, actually, they actually did it. And God will keep giving you more opportunities to do that, to obey him. And then when, when the evidence starts to come, your faith is multiplied. It's multiplied. And I think, for, especially when it comes to like this whole, like, you know, following the leadings of the Holy Spirit, following the promptings. Like, I look at this verse in James 2, where it talks about, just as the body is dead without breath, so is faith dead without works. Right? And I was reading that, and I was thinking, I was like, We, we are potentially killing the growth of our spirit through disobedience. We are risking the growth of our faith when we don't walk in obedience. And the thing is that through all these phases that we walk through, whether it be intentionality, consistency, intensity, all of these are calls to obedience. Again, we spoke about in intentionality, God's spirit is jealous for us, but he wants us to engage. He wants you to obey, take a step. When it comes to consistency, can you take steps over a long period of time? When it comes to intensity, do you trust me enough to believe that I told you that? And now my question for you again, it's the same question I asked. Are you willing to participate? Are you willing to engage? I'm just closing here because I want to kind of like tie everything back up because I think for me, you know, like, there might be some of us here who, you know, they're thinking about all this and they're like, ah, man, like, ah, like I knew that God has been calling me. I, I, I've been feeling it. I've been feeling like God's been calling me. God's been calling me. And you feel like regret because you, sometimes you think about, ah, how far could I have been if I just obeyed or if I just took that first step? And honestly, when I think about all the attempts that I made to try and lose weight, there were so many moments of regret. So many moments of regret. So many moments where I was just like, man... If only I like, just kept on going. Like, imagine where I would be right now. But the thing about regret is such a, like, if you, if you flip it, regret is such a powerful motivator. And I think that's what changed things for me because I told myself, I don't want to live in that place of regret anymore. 
I don't. My life, like, my life is supposed to be more than this. The same thing with our faith. There is so much life. So much life behind just our belief in God. So much. But God doesn't want you to stay in that. But God is saying, no. There is a fresh grace. There is a fresh opportunity in every moment. Every see. It's so beautiful how God is the God of hope. Because like there is not a moment in this life where there is not an opportunity to change things for yourself. Your life changes in decisions. It changes in decisions. And so you can use that regret to fuel you to make the right decisions in God's favor. And again, like I said, humble yourself. God gives grace to the humble. You have someone holding your hand. You have someone guiding you. I want to close here, and I want to close. If, if we can all just stand, um, so I think my time is just about spent. Um, if we can just rise. You know, this morning when I was, I was, you know, I looked at my sermon again, and I was like, okay, I don't know. I, the Holy Spirit dropped this song in my heart, um, and I want all of us to just sing, sing that together. It's, uh, it's by Michael W. Smith. It's called "Draw Me Close to You." Um, and I'll just sing, and then we'll just, we'll just sing together. It's, Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. He's working in you the will and the desire. <laughs> no one else will do. Nothing else can take your place. There's nothing we can use to fill the void that is in our heart. It's supposed to be for God. To feel the warmth of your Father, I, I commit your children to you. 
Lord, you are all that we want. <laughs> oh, Lord, you are everything. You are everything. You're the most important thing in this world. You're the most important conversation topic. God, you're all that we want. Lord, I pray for your children here. I pray for as many of them who, who might be feeling that you have not been priority. Who might be feeling like they haven't placed you in that place of importance. Fill their hearts, Holy Spirit. Fill their hearts. Help them to experience experience the life transformation that comes by engaging their faith. Help them to experience the multiplying effect of just leaning in a bit closer. Of taking steps. Lord, you said you give grace to the humble. Lord, let them experience your grace. Let them experience a divine aid as they press into you, God. And even that line, you're all I want, you're all I let it go, let it be a testimony, let it be a recounting of the fact that, yes, Lord, you are indeed all I want because I engaged. Lord, let us not leave here the same. Let us not leave here the same. Transform us. Renew our minds, God. Change us. You have anointed us to bring change to this earth. So use us. Use us and help us to engage in a way that will allow you to do so. We give you all the glory, Lord. We worship you. You are the King of kings. Be exalted, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.